Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the podcast based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guide. This is the ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 58 of Thrive Deeper. This is it, year two, the first episode of our second year as a podcast. And thank you to everybody that has been there with us from the very beginning. And to you who are new listening for the first time, thank you so much as well for joining in the trip. Now, if you're new to this, this podcast is all about the Thrive Daily Reading Guides that are written by Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Matthew is also the teaching pastor at One Hope Baptist Church here in Geelong. He's also the lead singer and songwriter behind the psalmist group Sons of Korah. It just happens to be one of my best mates. So we like to sit down together once a week and go through that week's readings of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide. Now, we invite you to jump in and join in the conversation with us. There's lots of ways you can send us your questions as well. I'll cover all that at the end of this week's episode. But right now, join us as Matthew and I sit down together and go through the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 20 to 22. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. This is DJ. I'll see you after the break on Thrive. Matthew, as this episode goes out, a couple of different things are happening. It's all it's all happening. A, you're, you and the band are over in Adelaide. I think you're doing mm. a tour of Adelaide as this, as this episode right. goes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I think you might even have, uh, if anyone is listening to this as it comes out on Friday morning, you might have an opportunity to be able to go uh, listen to them in Adelaide. So you go to the Sons of Cora mm. website, plug, 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 plug. Yes, do. <laughs> And this is with a brand new lineup, you know, with your with your, uh, your yeah. new new instrumentalist, yeah. which has been going great, and really, uh, you know, the band is having a great time. The other thing, as people have already realised, is everything sounds different. We've got new music, we've oh, got new good. format, we've got a new way of doing things here on the show. Not that you ever listen to the podcast, so. No. <laughs> well, I listen to you. I'm listening now. <laughs> You live through it. I've lived through the tale. I don't have to relive it there. So you're going to notice a few changes and uh, more changes coming up. And hopefully, I, I, I think, changes changes for the better there. You can, um, you know, let us know what you think of it. And uh, we need to – and I really want to make a big note here at the end and say – you know, we've changed. One of the big things people notice is we've changed the music. Um, that's not because we didn't like what we used from Rod Gear, our beloved mate Rod. Uh, it's just that in in uh, you know fifty seven episodes. We used it all up, you know. <laughs> yeah. We've we've used it all up, so we're we're trying something different, and I hope you appreciate it. And it's really exciting. This is officially our. We've started into our second year mm. of Thrive Deeper. Mm. Off we go. Off we go. Off we Indeed. go. <laughs> so we are uh, kicking off in, um, you know, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, where over the uh, you know well and truly into the. <clears throat> Dramatic, you know, the drama yeah. is building yeah. up and building up, and it's really going to build to a crescendo. And this last week in the Thrive Deeper Reading Guide, we've read through uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, chapter 21, and chapter 22. Mm. 
So that's what we'll be covering in this week's episode. We sort of overlapped a little bit on last week. We talked a little bit about Matthew 20 and uh, some of the points that were coming up from that. We talked about the parable of the workers in the vineyard and and, uh, this really um, counterintuitive concept of grace that Jesus had to talk about again and again that just didn't seem right. You know, bad people should be punished and good people should be... uh, uh, should be rewarded, and and that simplistic sort of view um, uh, is is a problem in this context because Jesus has come to bring bring grace for a bad humanity. You know, it's yeah. uh, and and this and it's not fair. Parable, and it's not it's not fair. That's right. It's it's not fair that he should pay for our sins, but it's that's grace. You yeah. know, it's it well, it it, it is just. Well, see, this is an interesting yeah. thing, actually, because it is just. It see, it it fulfill. Jesus came to fulfill justice, mm. um, and but it it it's only just because he did it. You know, one person standing in and taking the penalty for another person would not be justice. It's only because Jesus Christ, who is fully God, fully man, only He is able to step in, yep. and um, in between that cause and effect of um, the sowing and reaping of, ro- of doing a wrong thing and reaping um, mm. from that. Jesus stands in, in, in the middle of that, and only he can. Yeah. So what that does then is that it compl- is the message then is a message of grace, grace meaning that we get good that we don't deserve yes. and uh, we don't get the bad that we do deserve. You know? and, 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 this, and this opening... Parable yeah. of the of the you know the 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 guy who owns the fields and is employing different yeah. workers at, at different times really rubs our human brain yeah. uh, attitude of fairness and the gospel says your idea of fairness yeah. is not going to lead to where I need you to be it, and it really highlights yeah. this parable really highlights yeah. and it's a stumbling exactly block yeah. for so many people it would have been ludicrous. <laughs> To just about any in in the first century, like particularly to a sort of Greek uh, mindset informed by Plato and uh, Aristotelian sort of thinking, would have been completely insane. Yes. I mean, this this uh, parable of it's of still grace, insane today. To, su- to summarize, yeah, and it's- and I mean, even even for the Jewish people at the time, that you know, again, their their idea was we're going to be good, we should get rewarded. Or sinners should be punished. Um, Jesus tells this parable uh, of workers in the vineyard, where the a uh, uh, the master of the vineyard made a deal with some workers. You work a day, I'll pay you this much. Workers turn up throughout the day, right up to the last, right hour. up to the like the last hour. And the guys that just did the one hour of work, he says, "Oh, actually, I'm going to pay you the same as I paid everybody, the guys that worked for the whole day." Yeah. And. Um, <laughs> this is just—it just doesn't seem right. You, and and the, and the, the you know the people at work in the parable, the people at work the whole day complain, and Jesus has the master say, "Yeah, but don't I have the right to yeah. do what I want with my resources?" Now Jesus has earned favor, the favor of God for us, and He's saying, "Don't I have the right to extend that to who, whoever I, I, want. I, I want?" And but it's just it to, you know to that sort of way of thinking yep. both Jew and Gentile at the time it just seemed ludicrous even though it has plenty of precedent in the throughout the Old Testament yes um, it's all it's there in the Old Testament 
Um, but, uh, you know, you think of Jacob, for example, the story of Jacob, which mm. is all about God fulfilling his promise, even though Jacob was an absolute scoundrel, scoundrel <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's funny, if it, if, and this is a really bad application of Scripture here, but if you ever want some fun, uh, especially if you live, uh, you know, in a very working class town with a bit of union representation. Yeah, yeah. Sit down with a union friend and read out this parable with them and get them to interpret it and yeah. see their little heads spin. Yeah. I'm not sure I would want to apply it there, but but no, it doesn't. It's not about yeah, that. But it's it's this is the thing. It's easy to miss how revolutionary this stuff is. Still is. It, yeah, like it is just so revolutionary. Uh, th- this concept of grace. No one in the world thought that was uh, this was a good idea. In fact, mm. as I said, to the leading thinkers of the time, this would have been absolutely ludicrous. Uh, and yet this is the thing, grace is going to be what's going to change the world. Mm. And, and it's going to be it's going to be what makes the Christian movement absolutely explosive. Yeah. Uh, because you know the, the cycle of you know judgment, vindication, payback, you know sowing, reaping, yeah. that just compounds yeah. the problem. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, and I think we need to really grasp that. The other thing, this goes on, um, it's interestingly, again, after that, Jesus predicts his death. Yes. A third time. Like yes. he has to keep saying this to his disciples yeah. because, again, see, they're thinking, they're thinking, oh, you're going to lead us in a revolution. We're going to kick out all those sinful Romans. But no, he's actually going to. Yeah. Give his life for all of those sinful people, you know, and, and the disciples are still not getting it. Yeah, and they're still not. They're and still... so he has to keep repeating this yeah. that this is what's going to happen. Um, and then you get this account where uh, the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus. Um, so they're um, uh, uh, two of Jesus' disciples, mm. and asks. Um, uh, now, she says, is, grant, now, that, grant that these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other and the left in your kingdom. It sounds like a strange request to us because we know that Jesus has come to uh, bring about a spiritual kingdom. So yes. it's like, is she asking that they would go to heaven? No. no She's no. assuming that yes. he's a political uh, military messiah exactly. and that he's going to usher in the kingdom by force yep. and that they, they are going to be his left and right hand men. Now, the sons of Zebedee. James and John. Yes, I just yeah, yeah. We're just just making yeah. making sure that everybody knows. Just, so I, I just had to remember that I didn't say that at first because I thought. <laughs> so <laughs> ja- again, James and John. Now again, James and John, very close as as far as friendship. Yeah. Not only one of the part yeah. of the twelve, they are very yeah. they are seen as close personal friends yeah. of Jesus in amongst those twelve. Yeah, yeah that's right. And it's a, such an interesting dynamic to realize that uh, you know. That there's still familiar, you know, the family relations are still yeah. going on. Yeah, and you you can hear this mother, you know, proud of her boys and like, so you've hooked up with one of these, you know, yeah, the you're going guys. places. You're going places. Yeah. Okay, we understand that this guy. Okay, he's going to do this. All right, let me get in there and sort of yeah. pat for you. Yeah. I'll talk to your boss. Yeah, I'll talk that's to right. your boss. Yeah, they're go- they're going places, and that they're, they're going to suffer the same fate. Yeah. All of them, yeah. uh, at least a similar fate. And and Jesus, this is what Jesus says uh, to her. She says, "You don't know what you're asking." Jesus said to them, "Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink?" We can. They answered, and then Jesus says to them, "You will indeed drink from my cup." Oof. I mean, these guys are all going to be martyred. But, yeah. And so this is what this is. This is not. Um, this is not a life of. Uh, 
you know, going out there and dominating and imposing. This is actually uh, a life of self-sacrifice. Yeah. And and this is the other profound thing. I mean, talking about talk about countercultural things. And again, I want to keep drawing attention to this because now we're used to this, right? But at the time, statements like this are so revolutionary. It says in verse 24, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Oh. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Indeed, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Dang. That statement in the first century mm. is absolutely unheard of. Mm. I mean, it's like, where does this come from? No one's saying this sort of thing. Uh, you know, um, even someone like Seneca is is not saying this. You know, who's a very moralistic, mm. stoic teacher is is not saying things like this. You know, so um, this idea of of leadership of authority as not being tyrannical. I mean, because you know, a lot of people think, oh, this is an Enlightenment idea. Mm. The, the idea, because of course it was in the so-called Enlightenment, and that's a bit of a misnomer because. Anyway, that's another topic. Um, you know that during the in, in, that it was during the Enlightenment that um, you know that thinkers started to uh, uh, come up with a new idea of government and leadership that moved away from tyranny. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's and 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 ironically, one one of the forms of tyranny that the Enlightenment, so-called Enlightenment thinkers, vied against was the tyranny of the institutionalized church. Yeah. Okay, yeah. now, in the name of a form of leadership that actually served the majority of the people. Yes. Oh, we've got this great idea. We think that you know leadership uh, should be uh, for the good of all people. Mm. This is not a new idea. Mm. This is. That actually, they actually got this uh, idea through this. These, I mean, because a lot of the Enlightenment philosophers um, were actually Christians, mm-hmm. and they and these ideas came from these teachings of Jesus. That the church at the time, being encumbered by worldly power had and lost, holding on to it, had lost yeah. its way. Right. Yeah. This is the. This is actually. Uh, this is the key to. Uh, leadership. This is the key to the kind of leadership that really changes the world. Mm. It's so. It really is so revolutionary, and um, and I think it's worth pausing to recognise that. And then, of course, Jesus goes on to demonstrate that. Um, this prophetic demonstration. He comes into Jerusalem. Um, there's a large crowd gathering around mm. him. Mind you, he stops on the way to attend to two blind men. Mm. You know. Yeah. Uh, the, it, it's, there's not this, oh, no, I'm too important. This is, he's just said the Son of Man came to seek and to serve, you know. Yeah. Well, he, he stoops down. Stoops down to the, to the, to the two people yeah. who are making a racket. Yeah. And the crowd are not yeah. happy with. Like, yeah. shut up, you guys. Yeah. We've got important it's guests here. The crowd rebuked the blind you know? man and told them to be quiet. Because it's like, he's, too, he's not going to stop for you. Is yeah. this, this is the Messiah. He's coming to. Be, he's here to become king, right? And again, so he's not going to stop for you. Just, again, to reiterate your point, you have to put your mindset. I mean, think about it in, in a, um, 
a class society. Yeah. Where, like, you put yourself it into- It wasn't meant to be, but at this stage it certainly yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't, exactly. It wasn't meant to be where these two blind paupers are there. Yeah. They are the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Jesus is the top of the barrel. They should not, you know, yeah. you know, have anything to do with one another. And yet Jesus is doing exactly what he's just yeah. talked about, saying, now let me show you how this is in yeah. person. And he's being led in. He's being led into Jerusalem as the Messiah King, as the King. Okay, mm. now in all of the crowd's minds, he's the political military King, right? Yep. Now, you 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 won't read a, another example in the ancient world of a King coming, you know, <laughs> to take charge of his city who yeah. stops yeah. for a couple of paupers on yes. the way. But this is the kind of King that Jesus. This is how. This is where this is so yeah. counter. Countercultural, you yes. know. He stops on the way, heals these blind men, and then he tells his disciples to go and get him a donkey. And this yeah. is an important thing because he is going to he is again going to demonstrate uh, what sort of king he is going to be. Mm. And he comes in uh, riding on a donkey. So this and, is at the start of chapter twenty one. We're now at the beginning of twenty one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, he rides in on a donkey, and of course, this is um, this is completely in contrast to the great military leaders of the day, who would always, in their triumphal processions, would ride in on the war horse. Mm. Okay, mm, mm. but he comes riding on a donkey. Now he does that in fulfilment of uh, Zechariah um, uh, chapter nine, and it says here, "Say to, to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle, and riding on a donkey." Uh, and this um, this scripture, I'll just pull up the Zechariah uh, quote here. Mm. Um, and not just any donkey; it's the it's the child of a, like you. you yeah, a yeah, young that's donkey. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and and it's interesting. The this is the quote in Zechariah. It says, "See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey." I will take. This is what goes on. I will take the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem. And the battle bow will be broken, mm, right? Mm, mm. He could not be declaring something more loudly through this. Uh, he will proclaim peace to the nations. Mm. Uh, his rule will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. Um, uh, as for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. I mean, this is like this. What an amazing, what amazing scripture Jesus is evoking here mm. by riding, coming in, riding on this donkey, saying, "No, I'm not. I'm not here to make war and impose the kingdom through military means. I'm here to extend peace. I'm the Prince of Peace, and mm. uh, I'm here to actually break the bow, uh, shatter the spear, as it says in uh, Psalm 46." Um, uh, there's going to be a different way of doing things, a way of peace, a way of grace and self-sacrifice. So he comes in on the on the donkey, on the foal. Yep. The crowd goes bananas. Yep. They they literally cut the branches off the off the trees. They lay it down at the yep. donkey's feet, and they start you know singing out Hosanna and quoting Psalms. Yeah. As as Jesus comes riding in. It's an amazing, yeah. you know, an amazing scene. But the the thing that interests me, and I, I would love you to get your comment on this, at the end of this little paragraph here in verse, you know, 11, when the, when the everyday Joe is going, wait a minute, what's going on? The crowds are saying, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth, yeah. you know, in Galilee. He's a prophet yeah. who's come. So it's like, oh, are they really? I mean, in one sense, they're singing out Hosanna 
you know, this is the salvation, you know, of God type of thing. Yeah. Is that, that's what, is that what uh, Hosanna, Hosanna means? Hosanna means basically, Lord, help us. Okay, it's there you go. Because we can sing Hosanna in church and people say, oh, it means praise the Lord. Well, no. no, it actually means Lord, help us. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, I thought it meant salvation, like it talked about well, God's well, yeah, salvation. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, save us. Yeah, okay. Uh, basically, okay. yeah. Uh, and and but it's pro, it's proclaiming that the salvation of the Lord that that's what they're doing they're proclaiming that the salvation of the Lord is coming in the person of the Son of David. Now this is and, and I mean the, the the Jesus the comment about Jesus the prophet from Nazareth is yeah. interesting because he was acknowledged to be a prophet, but the crowd is declaring something more. Now the yeah. burning issue at the time uh, was. When is God going to fulfill his covenant with David? Because David, this is the burning sort of theological issue of the time. Well, there were two issues. When is God going to bring about the continuation of the Davidic dynasty? That's the covenant with David. Mm. God said to David, I will raise up from you sons after you, an everlasting dynasty of kings. Right. And uh, But there's no Davidic king. There's only Herod, the, the Herod Herodian family uh, at this stage. Um, and so the big issue, when is God going to send his king, his son of David? That's what the, the son of David thing there is evoking, the Davidic covenant. Um, and when is he going to end this, this, uh, the cap- this captivity, this um, servitude to the Romans? Um, so so they're, they're proclaiming him the son of David, which he is. Yeah. Uh, but of course, he's come to end a, a spiritual yes. exile and servitude, not a um, political one. Um, so yeah, it's he. He is he is a prophet. Yes, he is the son of David. Yes, but he's got to redefine all yeah. of those roles. Yeah. So they were they were getting it, but they weren't getting it. Obviously, you know, we will see. And I think again, more I'm, weren't getting it than getting it. Yeah. And, that, and and again, I'm trying to bring it back to the overall narrative of Matthew. You know, Matthew coming from a very Jewish perspective, talking about the failure of the Jewish people. You know, I'm 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 sort of overlaying that type of yeah. narrative through through this uh, through this moment here. Is he is he saying you know is he saying well they sort of got it or is he saying they didn't get it at all or is he saying it was a bit of a mishmash? Well, not even the disciples are getting it yeah. at this stage, okay. and he's very gracious with them. I mean, yeah. they they they've you know. Uh, Peter has acknowledged that he is the Messiah. They believe that he is Messiah. The crowds believe that he is the Messiah, but for um, for most of the crowds and for one of Jesus' disciples, Judas, yeah. uh, he, he is, they're going to be, they're going to turn against him because he's not going to be the sort of the Messiah right. that, that, that they want. And this, this becomes evident in the first prophetic act, and I'm going to define this as important that we see this, well, no, sorry, the first prophetic act, act is him riding in on a donkey. The second prophetic act um, and that's where that comment about the prophet from Nazareth in mm-hmm, Galilee, mm-hmm. because the next thing that Jesus does is that he does a very prophet prophetic thing. Yes, the, the, the temple he, going into the temple going and into, upturning yes. the money changers' tables oh. and and driving uh, the the money changers out. Now this is this is not just a sort of a um, uh, I guess a moralistic thing, like just an impulsive thing. This is. This is Jesus in his prophetic role mm. coming to the heart of the nation and um, diagnosing the corruption uh, yep. of, of the nation because the priestly classes were um, in some ways the um, in some ways the uh, uh, the um, 
there would have been some people that would have been happy about this, about him upturning the church, okay. because there was this rivalry between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay, and the Sadducees were the priestly, the leading priestly classes. They controlled all, all the temple, the temple cult, and the commerce around the temple. They controlled all of that, and they so actually we- and and a lot of money. Uh, you know, there was a lot of money being uh, made at the time in the now, temple. Now explain how that system worked. Okay. Because it's like, hang on, he was turning what money? Yeah, Why is okay. there money so, changes? So when so people for the this is the time of the Passover, people from all over uh, the, the the land, Jewish people would come to Jerusalem for the Passover and they would and they would come to uh, offer a sacrifice at the temple. But you wouldn't bring sheep uh, you wouldn't bring your flock, your, the flocks that you were offering, okay. all the way with you. And in fact, there's um, a point, a place in the Mosaic Law that talks about that that if if you live far away, instead of bringing dragging you, it all, you're with you. dragging yeah, your yeah, flocks yeah. with you. You can actually come and you can. Buy. So there is actually provision in the law for buying, purchasing. Uh, the, the, you, you sacrifice there and, okay. and then offering it at the temple. So there is precedent for that in the law. Um, but this is this is the um, this is a consistent problem uh, throughout the Old Testament prophets is the way that the temple cult becomes this transactional thing, transactional with God, and here it's becoming this transactional uh, money making thing as well. But there's actually it's actually deeper than just these people making money in the temple courts. Yep. Yep. Um, it's it's. Another expression, and I say another because this is in Hosea and in Hosea, uh, you know, the famous quote, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Uh, It's like um, you're neglecting mercy and grace and you're offering all of these sacrifices to, you know, to tick all the religious boxes. And there was there's a number of points um, where God vies against that, vociferates against that practice. Mm, mm, mm. And uh, and here you've got a classic prophetic act of Jesus who is actually continuing that prophetic tradition. Um, and and so this is this is um, this is something that the crowds, Again, some people would have been happy about this because, oh, he's coming to overturn well, the powers that be in the temple. And there yeah. were people at the time that wanted to see that happen. Well, it sounds like the, the majority of the people, like, the, the like again, if we're being classes, yeah. it's like the working class people are coming in with him and the children are coming in with him because not only does yeah. he do, you know, the dramatic one that we see, you know, he turns the tables over and he's, and he's furious at what's going on. You know, the blind came in, the sick came in, he starts healing them. People are screaming and having a great time. It's described as wonderful. They're still singing out, Hosanna, sons of David. And when the chief priests come up and see all this activity, there's children everywhere, you know, still chanting and dancing around everything like that. The first thing that they say is not about everything else. Yeah. Do you hear what these children are calling you? They they understand exactly what the crowds are claiming of Jesus. And uh, and he, you know, Jesus again, just beautifully quoting scripture back at them, yeah. saying, "Out of the mouth, out yeah, of the lips right. of children." Yeah, you know, that's right. And and the, it's there's one prophetic act after another here. I mean, you've got the coming in the donkey, so he comes in in peace. Um, so, and he's saying that we're not going to make war on the nations. We're not the instruments of God's judgment on the nations. Right. Mm. That's what he's essentially saying. Uh, with that, we've come to bring uh, uh, you know peace, 
but he does bring he does actually come to bring judgment but not on the nations he comes to bring judgment on the people of God yeah and so that's the the turning of the table turning up of the tables is indicative of that and then he he pronounces that judgment more explicitly in the cursing of the fig tree which yeah. is the next the next day because the fig tree is a symbol um of of God's people and and he sees a, he sees a fig tree that is not bearing fruit and he curses the fig tree may you never bear fruit again now i've I, i've heard i've heard uh, at least uh two comedians you know in my time i i there's nothing i love more and i do i do not recommend this to people i don't know where you're going with this well i <laughs> i this is something and again this is not for the faint of heart and, and and i don't recommend this to to people there's nothing better that i love than to hear non-christian secular yeah. comedians take on yeah. Bible, Scripture, Jesus, things like this. Because yeah. it's such an interesting perspective that yeah. I think I've lost yeah. because I've grown up in it, you know what yeah. I mean? So I've heard two comedians at least in my lifetime bring out this story about the cursing of the fig tree yeah. and go, what, wait, 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 wait. This guy that you guys all like, this Messiah character, yeah. is hungry. He's hungry, yeah, yeah. walking along, sees a tree that doesn't yeah. give him food, and he's like, "Yeah, well, you know, like you know, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like a real petulant yeah, know, attitude." Yeah. And it's and it's like, no, no, there's something a lot deeper going is, on here. There is something a lot deeper. <laughs> this is actually a prophetic act. So uh, he um, he he's hungry, uh, and he he goes up to this fig tree, and this is this is. Jesus in his prophetic role, uh, it's like I'm hungry. I I I, I want to, you know, I'm ex- I want to see this fruit, and um, and he um, he says to the fig tree, may may you never bear fruit again. And it's interesting that th- this is there's an allusion here to uh, Jeremiah eight. Now this is actually. An allusion, the, the verses that he alludes, alludes to, and this is where this links up, are actually straight after the verse about the den of robbers that he quotes from Jeremiah. Oh, wow. Uh, so um, he, j- so just after the, ve- the verse quoted by Jesus about the den of robbers, just mm. previously mm. in the temple courts, mm-hmm. you've, you know, this is a house of prayer, you've made a den, den of robbers. Uh, there's Jeremiah 8.13, which says, as a judgment... Um, I will take away their harvest, declares the Lord. There will be no grapes on the vine. There will be no figs on the tree, wow. and their leaves will wither. Uh, what I ha- what I have given them will be taken from them. Mm. That's the act of judgment. Okay, this is exactly what he's enact. This is enacting that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, um, that's so great. he's th- that's the cursing of the uh, of the fig tree in in again in the spirit of the prophet Jeremiah. But the, again, the disciples immediately go, "That is an amazing trick. How did yeah. you do it?" Like, like they're yeah. like they, they they again. I think they missed the point. They're like, you know, it, well, it withered right in front of well, them. Well, this is and and this is an interesting light on this verse. Truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not not only can you do what has been done to this fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, "Go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done." Now we said this before. Yeah. Um, now, uh, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, the interesting thing. And this is where verses in context are really important because Jesus had basically done what God had announced beforehand. I mean, that's you know he he had he had stepped into that prophetic stream, as it were, yes. and God had said, "I will 
um, there will be no more fig on the fig tree. And so he had, in a sense, prophetically um, demonstrated that in in the case of a literal yes. fig tree, but again, by way of prophetic demonstration. Yeah. And so, um, so in a sense, there's this sense of, of faith is not just me expecting that I'm always going to get whatever I want. Yeah. Faith is essentially believing that God is always going to get what he wants. Oh, you know, it, 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 is, uh, it, it, is, it is stepping into the purpose of God because the promise, because it's not like this, I, I'm going to, like the promises of God are my little, um, what, what, how would you put it, um, uh, like my little tokens, mm. you know, uh, that, that I get to play, uh, promise of God to get this thing that I want. Mm. Now, the promises of God apply for the purpose of God. And so th there's a sense of faith uh, is actually stepping up into the sort of um, into the jet stream of God's purpose, you mm, know. Mm, mm. And and it's when we step up into that, because it's not just believing that; it's actually entrusting ourselves to. That's what faith is. Okay. And um, so he's saying, if you you step up, step up into the purpose of God. Uh, it's like nothing's going to be impossible for yeah. you. Like watch mountains are going to crumble before you. Yeah, That's because great. it's the purpose of God. Okay, let's let's look. We're, let's take a break. We've got a chapter and a half to go, basically, to get through what we want to get through. Mm -hmm. This is a great time to take a break. It's uh, DJ and Matt here for Thrive Deeper. We back in just a moment. G'day, it's DJ here, and uh, we're trying some new stuff as we enter year two of the podcast, like this, me jumping into the middle of the break and letting you know about some new stuff that is going on. One thing in particular I want to let you know about right now is the new revised edition of Matthew Jacoby's book, Deeper Places. Now, you know who Matt is. You've just been hearing him talk about the Gospel of Matthew. Well, Matt has spent the last 25 plus years diving deep into the Psalms. If you're a fan of Sons of Korah, you know all about that. He takes the amazing ancient songs of the Bible and finds a real deeper way to have authentic spirituality and a real relationship with God. The book is fantastic. And I'm going to encourage you to head over to thrivetoday.net.au and keep an eye out for the new revised edition. There's a whole new chapter even on anger. It's called Anger Management, and it blew me away. So head over to thrivetoday.net.au and have a look for the Deeper Places link. You want to go there and sign up as soon as you can. There's an entire new video series around the book that we're putting out soon. So keep your eyes open, head over to the website, can't wait to let you know more about it in the coming weeks. But now let's head on back to the episode of Thrive Deeper, where we're getting into Matthew 20 to 22.
you're listening to Thrive Deeper, DJ Payne here, and as always, I am joined by Matthew Jacoby. We are halfway through chapter 21 of the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus has, uh, you know, basically got this teaching time he's about to embark on before you know, the, 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 we've, we've turned the knob up to about yeah. 10. Yeah. It's about to go up to 11 and 12, yeah. and, and then we get this teaching time here. Well, let me let me redefine it. It's, it's kind of a teaching time okay. because actually what has just happened, let's recall what's just happened. Yes. Jesus has um, declared there have been three prophetic acts yes. here. Jesus has ridden in on a donkey mm-hmm. uh, to show what sort of Messiah is going to be. Uh Contrary to some expectations about um, uh, him being a military messiah, now that was a that's going to overturn the Roman occupation. Now that was the majority of people wanted that. I should actually say that the Sadducees and the chief that that the the chief priests, the Sadducees, mm. they didn't want that. No, they actually didn't want. They they were happy with the Roman occupation because the Romans backed their authority uh, in the uh, in 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 the. Uh, in the nation at the time. Yes. However, the point is, here are the, the, there are these prophetic acts. So the first prophetic act, riding of the donkey, second prophetic act, he goes in and he messes with the Sadducees' territory, right? Yes. So he, he brings this judgment, this act of judgment, turning the tables in the temple. Yep. That's a prophetic act. He's bringing judgment to the heart of the nation, right? They wanted, uh, anyway, I've, I've commented on that. Yep. Third prophetic act, the cursing of the fig tree. Right? Yes. Now, the, the the first thing that that the leaders want to know is who are you, who are you, yeah. and who gave you the authority? Yeah. Like yeah. who are you, yeah. Yeah. and who gave who gives you the authority to yeah. do this stuff? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what's going to happen now? Who died and made you king? Yeah. You're like, <laughs> That's right. Who do you think you are? That's right. So all of all of the pretty much from here on mm. to the end of chapter twenty three mm. uh, is uh, we're going to see. Polemics, and yes. this is why it's it is teaching, it's teaching but, but it's not more teaching. polemical. Yes, yes. it's actually conversations De- with with the powers that be. Define the word polemics. People are going polemic. What is Matthew? A talking polemic about? is like um, a, a sort of an argument. It, it's a um, uh, well, but it's not just picking an argument to be belligerent. It's actually um, uh, this becomes very ad- adversarial in nature. He, he is. Um, he is arguing against. Well, well, it's essentially the Pharisees are arguing against him. They're going to try and catch him out here, right? We've got to do something about this guy mm-hmm. because here's the situation: he's got enorm, he's got an enormous following. Yeah. For the Pharisees, that's a problem because the people are meant to be listening to them, but they're listening to Jesus. For the Sadducees, that's a problem because he's just upturned the tables in the temple, yeah. and uh, because. Uh, he's. They've probably heard that he's forgiving people yeah. outside the mechanism of the temple. That's, yes. a, you know, so that undermines their or so he's undermining their authority. Yeah. So they're all concerned about this guy. So and it's and it's fascinating. Again, just just I think this is worth mentioning yet again. We've mentioned it before. Yeah. The Sadducees and the chief priests were the political class. They were the um, not to, to use a really 
stupid shorthanded way to do it in our culture. They were the progressives that really didn't believe a lot of the miraculous yeah. claims of scripture. They were just in it for the power and for the, yeah. and for the and for the culture and the politics type of yeah. thing. The Pharisees were the true believers. They yeah. were the they were the religious. They were the conservatives. The yeah. conservative fundamentalists who were like, no, no, we're listening to every jot and tittle. We are right in here into the scripture. Both ends of the spectrum, Jesus has totally got way offside. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, that's right. And and is and is really got you know yeah. both ends there. Whereas yeah. the people are like, this is the man. He's doing something yeah. different. So what do you do about that yeah. when he's got all of the cra- well? You 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 catch him out. Yeah, you're going to show the people he's yeah. doesn't know what he's talking about, right? Yes. So um, so first of all, they they do this outrightly. They question his authority. I mean, I I love the way that Jesus. Answers questions with questions. Because oh, the <laughs> like, they're judging him. He's, no, no, I'm going to question you. Yeah. Uh, Which is a classic Old Testament Jewish way, yeah, of, uh, yeah, way that's of, right. of talking. And, and, and we see you know, it in Scripture so he all the time. Uh, by, um, I'll ask you one question. He says to them, if you'll answer me, I'll tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's <laughs> baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or from human origin? And as Matthew points out, this puts them in a bind because... Yeah. They're damned if they do. They're damned if they don't. Like the, if they, if they say that he was, you know, yes. that it was from God, then Jesus will say, "Well, why didn't you do what he said?" And then if it's they say it's not, then the people are going to turn against them. So and and the point, even the so point- he's actually this is the, the he's actually played yeah. their card against yes. them because they're you see what you see what I mean because they're trying to tr- they're trying to yeah. sh- they're going to show him up you know to the people, but he's actually showed them up. But the, but I love the fact that this is the the beauty of what Jesus does time and time again. The question is the answer. Yeah. The question is the answer. Yeah. By whose authority? And he says, okay, by what was John's baptism's authority? Yeah. Now they know the answer. They're convicted in their hearts. They know that John was of God. Yeah. They, you know, as we read. Yeah, they, the, may, they probably didn't all agree on that. But They didn't all yeah, agree yeah. on it. But crowds of them were going out and seeing it, you know, yeah, type yeah, of thing. And yeah. he, the, the answer, the correct answer to that question, yeah. God, is the correct answer to his question that, that, that they've Yeah, that's right. They've, they've it's asked even him. deeper than that because remember, John called them a brood of vipers. Yes. Okay, so, so I love it. So that's a way in the hearing. Of, this is in the hearing of, of the other people, and the people know that John said this about yes. the, the, oh. the the leaders, the, the religious leaders here. Yeah. So this is really uh, this is a this is a really neat trick. It's <laughs> amazing, but it's uh, it's more than that. It's more than that because he is. I mean, he, it, it's it's really quite brilliant because he's he's showing them up. Mm. Um, uh, this is what Jesus does. He exposes the worst oh. in us, not to condemn us, but because he wants to deal with that. And he's all through here. That's what he's doing. He's, he's going to, he's going to give them a hard time, but he's going to do this so that they would, uh, would you know, r- repent. So the chief priests in that instance, they say, yeah. "Look, we don't know." And Jesus says, "Well, fine, I'm not going to and tell this you is either." The, this is where the parable of the two sons yeah. comes out. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, "Go and do the work today." I will not, he answered. But the latter changed his mind and went. So, uh, you know, which of the two sons is it? The one that said no at the start, but then because the, sec- the second son says, "Yeah, yeah, I'm right on on it. Thanks, Dad," and doesn't do anything. And doesn't do anything now. The second son, that son that did that, that's the religious leader. It's like, yeah, yeah, they're all, yeah, we're going to serve God. We're the godly ones. But actually their lives are not living up to it. Yeah. They're concerned about the fact that he's pulled in all of these sinners, right? Yeah. They're the ones that said no at first, but now now they are. 
And um, this is when Jesus says, truly, I tell and this is full on this statement. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did. Even after this, you did not repent and believe him. Wow. Just whack. Yeah. And, and, and then this is, again, and then the hearing of everyone, he tells this parable of the tenants. Yeah. In classic prophetic fashion, this is the prophets in the Old Testament describe the history of Israel using mm. illustrations. Yes. You know. And Jesus is doing the same thing here where he talks about a landowner who planted a vineyard and then he went away and, and he, uh, he put some people in charge. That's them of his vineyard. Mm. And then he sent his servants to come and, you know, and they killed, killed the servants all. one after another. And that's the prophets. Okay. Yeah. And then finally he sent his son and they killed him too. Mm. Jesus is saying, that's you. I mean, this is really, he's, he's, uh, really putting in the knife here, and I, and, I, and I love the fact that you know this is something you know such a wise uh, way of teaching because he asked them the question point blank. You know, okay, you tell me what the owner will do when he comes. Yeah, and they give yeah. a beautiful, eloquent answer. He's going to bring an end to these wretched people. He's going yeah, to rent yeah. the vineyard out to others, others tenants. Uh, he will give the share. Like they have this eloquent yeah. response, and he and Jesus. so they're testifying against themselves. Exactly. You know? And I mean, it, yeah. And then and then there's the parable of the wedding banquet, which is uh, this parable of uh, you know man prepares the the wedding feast and he goes and he sends his servants out, but all of those who were invited refuse to come. No, no, no. I've, I'm too busy. And again, that's them. He's yeah. talking about them, right? <laughs> and then because because Jesus is. Um, throughout this is referring to the fact that he has brought in all of these sinners, you know what I mean, into uh, that, that they are all following him. And, uh, and so this is referred to when he, in this parable of the wedding feast, when after the original friends didn't come to the feast, he'd go out to the highways and the byways yeah. And, and inviting the lame and the blind, yeah. and, that, and that's exactly who was following Jesus. So he's actually, again, he's describing what's just happened. Yeah. You, you didn't respond to the invitation, so I'm bringing in the people from the highways and the byways, the lame and the blind, and now, so forth. I'm gonna let's throw a quick little spanner in the works here. Yeah. At the, we're now in chapter 22, at the beginning of chapter 22. Yeah. And uh, at the end of that parable, there about the you know the wedding banquet and everybody coming in and the you know the, the chosen being you know rejecting the invitation, yeah. but every but the you know the the worst of society being in, into the hall. Yeah. When the king came in to see the guests, there's a guy there without a, without a yeah. uh, a wedding clothes on. Yeah. And and he said, how did you get in without the wedding things? And, he, and the guy didn't have anything to say. And the king told his attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there's his weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. What does that yeah. little bit yeah, on the end mean? Just in case we thought we knew what was going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> because I, again, growing up in church, I've heard this applied in so many yeah, different yeah. ways and so many different applications. Yeah. It, 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 it is a hard one. But one bit of cultural background that I think is important here yep. is that it was customary um, at events like this, at royal events like this, that the king actually would provide festive dress for the guests. Okay. 
I think that's this is an important bit of cultural background. The yes. king would provide the festive dress for the guests, yes. right? So this is not saying uh, like he's just invited all all the all the. This sounds yeah. like he's saying, oh, but they're not yeah. in the right state, and so therefore they get kicked out. Um, now here, there's a rejecting. It, it, okay. There's a rejecting yes, of this yes, yes. of this festive of something that the king wanted to provide. So it's about it's about a guest coming in, being offered the festive dress, and saying, "No, no, I'm fine." Yeah, it's reading between the lines a bit, but this is a known okay. practice uh, at the time, um, uh, and 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 it's certainly the case. You know, if we interpret scripture with scripture, it certainly is the case uh, with uh, with Jesus. He, he doesn't, and and that's clear through his ministry that he doesn't expect people to come to him with righteousness yes. he ex- he wants people to come to him for righteousness okay, okay. so uh, and and he he is the one that clothes us in righteousness well that is certainly that was certainly the custom you, if you went to if you were invited to a royal event yep. you would be given um, you would be given a, a cloak or clothes okay. uh, to wear at the time um, and even that, so line, the king, even, you know, the king in this parable then is understandably amazed yes. uh, when he finds someone who's not, 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 not that has rejected wrote. his offering. Yeah, basically, that's right. That, and that verse fourteen: for many are invited, but few are chosen. Yeah, boom! At the end, yeah, of like boom. yeah, it's like yeah. In in this series of of him going back and forth with the with the chief priests and everybody in the temple, and the series of him telling these parables and getting them convicted. Man, that 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 one line there is, yeah. You know, it turns it because again, it turns it on its head, basically saying you're all invited, but it's but he doesn't say like many mm. are invited but few come. Yeah, he says but few are chosen. Yeah, to come, and I'm like, well, yeah, and 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 this is the interesting thing is who in the context, who are the chosen here? Who did Jesus say, I've come to seek and to save the lost? So there's a a choice here that he's not choosing the religious elite. He's choosing the people who needed him the most, you know, in that that sense. Um, These are just reflections on this because I think there's a lot of mystery to this verse. There's also the background of religious people delighting in the fact that they were the chosen people. We're the chosen people. All these terrible pagans out there aren't the chosen people. Well, he's actually, the parable is saying that the chosen people end up didn't... Yeah, reject. Yeah, yeah, that they didn't end up coming to the feast because actually they didn't want it. They were too busy. They had other agendas, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's actually, it's the, the outsiders that eventually came in, you know, the humble outsiders that came in. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, I think he's saying... Many were invited. This is at the end of this. Many, or, you know, many were invited. In, uh, but who got chosen in the end? It's the very people that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were complaining about. We've got, we've got few. Okay, now if we're thinking of these exchanges as a boxing match, right? Right. Between the, we, it's it's actually a boxing match between three groups. You've yeah. got Jesus. You've got the Sadducees, you've yeah. got the Pharisees, yeah. and the Sadducees and Pharisees are sort of taking turns. Yeah. They're getting they're getting their butts whipped. They yeah. go back regroup. Yeah. They come back. All right, we've got a new plan. Boom! He puts them in their place. The next yeah. one comes up, and Jesus is knocking them out like bang, bang, going for it. The last few here, the last few blows are. Phenomenal. 
phenomenal. The next bit in in, in verse 16 of, of 22, yeah. we have the Pharisees turn and they come and they're like, rightio, here we go, we're going to come in. And they beautifully, eloquently, yeah. you know, you know, they 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 praise him and lift yeah, up, yeah. you know, Jesus, oh, Jesus, you're so good. But we need to your opinion. Oh, humbly we're coming to you and yeah. asking you for your opinion. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? And one very of the most clever. one of the most divisive issues. Yeah, very clever because the Roman occupation is the big issue here. Yeah. And Jesus, yes, I mean his his reply now is famous. Yes. You know, yeah. uh, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap uh, trap me? Show me the coin. Um, whose image is this? Caesar's. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. You know, this is yeah. this classic reply that, in a way is quite evasive yes. of the issue yeah. because it's not the issue. It's not, it's not interested in, in the Roman. The, yep. It's, it's almost like he's in a sense saying, um, give worldly concerns to the world. Yeah. I'm not here for these worldly concerns. Yeah. Like let the bed, let yep, the dead whatever. bury the It's just bury money. Give, I don't care. Yeah. Give it's yeah. Caesar, Caesar's money. Give it back to Caesar. Yeah. Let worldly concerns be worldly. Yeah. Um, uh, and, so, so they haven't got him w- w- with this, and I'm flying through this because I'm aware that we need to um, move through this. Um, and, then uh, then uh, the marriage at the resurrection is another cl- clever one. So the Pharisees retreat. They're the like, Sadducees oh, my goodness, in. we can't go. Yeah. The Sadducees are on our yeah. turn. Okay, let's yeah. go. It's tag team. Yeah, isn't tag, it? it's yeah. A, they're tag teaming. Bang, bang. Yeah, so the Sadducees come in and, and they tell us uh, because, they're try- they're, because they don't believe in the, in the resurrection. Um, so uh, they. Talk about, you know, a, a woman married a husband, he died, then she married another one, he died and married another one. You know, all Because of the was, culture of the time was yeah, if that, you married, married a, a fella. Yeah. And if he died, without, then your brother would would have first right of to marry the widow as a way of continuing the family name. And and so the widow would have offspring to look after Yeah, Yeah, that's yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's right. So... Um, so the question is, well, whose husband in the um, resurrection? Because she's gone through all se- yeah. was it seven brothers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and again, Jesus is saying your whole paradigm is wrong. Yeah, it's the same with with the question about paying taxes to Caesar. Your whole paradigm is wrong. This is where again and again he 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 doesn't he's not playing on their ground. You know what I mean? He's not he's actually um, he's not playing their game. He's rejecting the whole game. He's not competing within their game, I should say. Mm. He's just not playing that game at all mm. because the whole paradigm is wrong. He said, you know, it's you're in error because you do not know the scriptures. I mean, this oh, to the yeah. this, this is to the priests. Remember, yes. it was the role of the priests. Yes. They were to be the teachers of the nation. Oh, you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Man, uh, at the resurrection, people neither marry nor be given. They would be like angels in heaven. Um, I've been asked about this. Does this mean, you know, what does this mean for um, for us? Yeah, well, it, it, it just means that, uh, that oh, man, we could get down a rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah, we don't yeah. go down it's a rabbit a whole, hole. It's a yeah. whole different order or order of things. It's, yeah. not that, it's not that we'll have less. I think this is the important thing. Yes. We won't have less. Yeah. So you will, know, you, know, you will know your spouse and your love won't be less. It'll be more. Yes. But love will be perfected in everyone. You will love every single person like... Like the purest form of love that I can think of is the love that we have for our children. Yeah. Like in terms of the, it's the, it's like you will have this pure, uh, and I'm thinking in terms of this angelic yes. kind of love 
that you will have this for every person. It's like love is perfected in that situation. And, and the highest thing Because now we love this person more and that yeah. person less. And yes. I love, you know, I really love my children, yeah. you know, and, and I love your kids too, but yeah. look, if it came to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so, but this is, he's describing a, situ- a heavenly situation where love is perfect love all the time. And also, also Jesus um, using angels as a reference also alludes to the fact that you know angels are in the service of of God, not out of like a slave mentality, but out of utter ad- adoration and love yeah. for God. We will have we will be in that right relationship with yeah. God in heaven as every as well, which will change the paradigm. Yeah. yeah. But then he then he gives them he gives them the knockout blow about yeah. about you know uh, you know don't you know what God yeah. God has said to you? I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, yeah. the God of Jacob, and yeah. they're like nodding, going, "Yep." He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. That's right. Boom. Like yeah, again, yeah, yeah. the sages is like, we're out. We're knocked out. Yeah. We're knocked out. Yeah. And then finally, the Pharisees are regrouping. And they bring, they like, they've run They off. love it. Yeah. The, the, I mean, they're, they're kind of happy at, at this. I mean, yes. they're, they're still uh, licking their wounds yep. uh, from their last thing. But, you know, it says here, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. Yes. And um, one expert of the law tested him with this question, teacher, yeah. what, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And, and again, he just... Um, he, he sums this up. Uh, this, this has happened a couple of times because other gospel writers record this in slightly different uh, contexts. Um, yes. Uh, but, um, yeah, you know, he answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. And this is the first command. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. This is just... He sums up everything. Sums it this all. Is, and, and this is important because they've been so caught up in him. Is he keeping the law and the Sabbath and the and he and so which is the most important? Well, Jesus is saying, if you keep these, if you love God and love your neighbor, you have kept the whole law. That's the main sort of thing. So he's actually this is a profound bit of teaching here. Massive. Because it, it is love covering a multitude of sins, as Paul would say. You know, love is the greatest of all. And this is the this is the ethic. This is the life. This is the life ethic of Jesus. It is uh, to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. Um, again, completely revolutionary. You know. Uh, and if and if you think absolutely. And, if, and so he, he that's a, like the final knockout blow is that right? Yeah. The final knockout blow. Everyone is dumbstruck. He has summed up everything there, and but he's not. He's he not, goes on the offensive next. Yes. Yeah. He, but he's like, I'm not finished. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not finished. Yeah, yeah. I've got one more thing here, fellas. <laughs> yeah, and he just and, and so, so, so he's he's now because they've asked him questions. Yes, yes, and he says, okay, you know, let me ask you a question. In verse forty-two, he says, "What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? Uh, the son of David?" They replied. He said to them, "Well, how then that David, speaking by the Spirit, and he's quoting from Psalm one hundred and ten, yeah. calls him Lord, for he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until put your enemies at your feet. If David then calls him Lord, how can he be his son?" This is a profound statement that Jesus is making about himself. It's yeah. not like I, I'm, I'm not just the human king in the line of David. I'm actually, trans, I transcend that. Yeah. I mean, this is amazing, uh, an amazing moment of self-revelation yeah. on, on Jesus' part. And then it says no one could say a word in reply and from that day on no one dared ask him any more questions. <laughs> now, and, and we'll discuss uh, chapter 23 next time, but yep. chapter 23 is an absolute onslaught uh, um, yeah. 
you know, against the religious leaders yep. of the day, and it is something to behold, absolutely. Yeah. And it's a, an amazing, an amazing thing to finish on. With basically, I know for some, I had someone ask me a question about that final little, you know, quote from Psalm from the Psalms. Yeah. And the Lord said to my Lord and everything like that. It's, it can sound a little bit like a puzzle or a riddle. It's yeah. like, is this supposed to be confusing? Yeah. And it's like, well, it is. But if you read through the psalm again, read it in a lot of this, and keep in mind that Jesus is basically saying, I am God. Yeah. You know, that's you know, he's basically cutting to the chase. And in a in a sort of veiled yeah. way in one sense, he's making scripture yeah. reveal that the Messiah, which he's claiming yeah. to be, is not just, mm. as he said, the flesh. It's also yeah. God has to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, and that's right. We and then okay, so in the soundtrack of the movie here, the needle scratch goes off there, <laughs> and from now on, it's just going crazy. The beats are yeah, coming yeah. on because he, he is Jesus is going hard now from yeah. now on. He changes into top well, gear. Well, it's, it, there's this climactic, oh. uh, you know, declaration against the religious leaders yes. uh, and the hypocrisy of the religious leaders. Um, <sighs> but we, we'll, we'll cover that. Uh, you know, we'll time. cover that next time. But I think, you know, um, I think the thing to take away from this is is this sense of human resistance, this resistance to... And, and it's interesting, it's a resistance to a rule of peace. Uh, uh, but it's there is this irrational resistance to the claims that Jesus is trying to make. And he, wants to, he wants to bring them into something really wonderful. But at the end of the day, there's this resistance to giving up their agendas and the things that they wanted. And, you know, th- th- these are people protecting their autonomy, their influence, their, you know, and, and not willing to, to give that over and surrender to God. And please, the application yeah. to us... Oh, and to our hearts, yeah. don't lose that. That's right. And and this, so it's not just, oh, aren't these people terrible? Yes. No, this is actually this resistance, this irrational resistance to, to God. This actually happens within all of us. We all, to the extent that we all live independently of God, in some measure. You know what I mean? Even if you're, as Christians, you know, our our life is a this continual growth into ever greater faith. And faith means. Um, you know, being entrusted to God, you know, to, to the extent that that remains imperfected. And John says, if we say that we are without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us, right? When, to, to that extent, we are all resisting yeah. God in some way. And life is about allowing God to break down that resistance. And, and this is what we see here in this chapter. And if you're honest with yourself, um, you will see that in yourself. But if we respond to God and we recognize, I can't change. This is the thing I recognize. Uh, I can't change this. I can't break down my own resistance. I'm trapped behind a wall of my making. I need God to save me. And God is in the business of saving people. There it is, episode 58 in the can. We've gone through the Gospel of Matthew chapters 20, 21, and 22. We flew through them, but I think there's a lot in there to take away. Now, we always say at the end of every episode, please get in touch with us. The easiest way to do it is to head over to our website, our home online, thrive today. 
www.thegrindcast.net.au. Let us know what you think. We've got a Facebook group, a Facebook page as well that you can be a part of. All the links are over there at thrivetoday.net.au. Now, uh, we're going to let you know about more projects that we've got going on. There's a video series around Deeper Places. There's the new edition of the book, Deeper Places, plus lots, lots more coming up. So stay in contact with us. Hopefully you love the new format as much as I do. And uh, we would love your feedback on that as well. Well, until next week, on behalf of the crew behind the scenes and Matthew and myself, we want to say thank you so much for all the great comments. And please, if you've got a moment, something that really goes a long way in helping us out is if you head over to the Apple iTunes podcast pages and leave us a review. Give us a five-star review and a lovely comment, and that goes a long way in helping us be found by other people. Well, thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ would love to hear your questions and comments about what you were reading in God's Word and in Thrive. The easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au Thrive Deeper is on Facebook. Just search and like Thrive Today page for all our latest news. Until next week, our prayer is that this podcast will inspire you to read God's Word and thrive.